Hey, you're listening to Be Your Best with Phil Haugen, where we explain the methods that help bridge the language barrier between horse and rider. Our goal with each episode is to provide you with the training philosophies that will help you to be your best every day. Hey everybody, this is Phil Haugen coming to you from our training facility in Weatherford, Oklahoma. And I am recording this on Sunday morning. It's been a busy week. It's been a really good week here. Um, a lot of things happening. And like always, uh, when I do my podcasts, I just, I like to um, do them on subjects that are current and things that we've worked on or challenges that we've faced this week. And so this week I'm going to be talking about helping your horse understand that feel of your body and that that feel, timing, and balance that we have that I think sometimes we underestimate the value of that. And I I know I've talked uh, in in some other other episodes about this also, but today I'm going to go into a lot more detail. So uh, uh, stay tuned and hang with me, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy this. Um, but first off, so my morning, and, th- and this kind of relates back to what I'm going to be talking about, because I'm going to be talking about how a horse's vision affects its behavior, and it's one of the reasons that, that our feel the feel of our body and the signals we send that horse are so important. But to begin with, and I don't know if this happens to other people, I'm sure it does, but at 2.57 this morning, my eyes pop open and I am wide awake. And I have that feeling like something isn't right. And I've been around long enough that when I have those moments where I feel like something ain't right, or I wake up um, from a dead sleep and, you know, it's almost like there's someone else standing in the room with me that, that I don't know who it is. I mean, and, and that wasn't the case this morning, but I laid there and I thought, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get back to sleep. My alarm goes off at five and I'm trying to go back to sleep and I'm just laying there wide awake and I'm like, ah, something's not right. So I get up, I've just got a hoodie and my shorts on, put some, uh, oh, there, I've got some muck boots that are like, uh, not tall. They're, they're just like normal shoes, but they're real comfortable anyway. They're like wearing a tennis shoe. I put them on and I head down to the barn. Now we did have two horses come in this weekend and they were both kind of struggling, settling in a lot of anxiety. So I thought, well, maybe it's, something with one of them you know usually if there's something gone wrong or something ain't right it has to do with a horse around our place so i go down to our first barn which we call the old barn i and uh, actually we had the light on in the barn because when a horse comes in and they're having trouble settling in a lot of times i'll leave the light on in the barn for the first night or two just to eliminate some scary objects and new new place and um, and even though a horse's night vision is like 50 times, 50% better than ours, um, I, I don't know if that helps or not, but I, maybe it just makes me feel better when I do it. 
So then I go back right to the west of it just a little bit. We call, there's another barn, uh, which we call our new barn. And we built it just a couple years ago. It's got stalls and runs on the south side and box stalls on the north side. And then an alleyway down the middle of it. So I'm going down that alleyway and I'm going to look at this filly that just came in um, Friday. And she's been real, real fra fractious, real anxious, um, real reactive ever since she came in. She like goes up and down that fence like she's trying to jump out of that pen. And, and that's totally, I mean, that doesn't happen with every horse that comes in, but it happens with, with more than what you think. Because when you take a horse, that horse was, that filly was born and raised on um, these people's place and has never, never been off that place other than to, I think they said to get in the trailer to come to my place. So the fact that she's very reactive, filled with anxiety, uh, very insecure that that's that's totally normal uh, totally normal and some of the other things we talk about later in this episode are gonna gonna help to justify that behavior but so I get down to the end of the new barn and we have our in our on our eighth stall on the south side which is where the stalls and runs are um, that run opens up into a bigger pen and I've got a couple fillies in there actually I got three fillies in there um, that came from the same customer and those fillies. So yesterday when stalls were getting cleaned, that gate got left open. And when they fed last night, um, a different person fed than did stalls and they closed the main gate to that pen, but that they didn't check that gate going into the, uh, alleyway and it's easy it's really easy to miss it if you're not don't walk right up there and look at it well so now it's about 305 or 310 a.m and those three horses are gone and i'm like oh crap so there's a there's an area between our house and we have another facility south of us on the south end of our place there's six bunkhouse style apartments, another horse barn, arena, round pen, a whole nother facility. And there's a good bit of grass, probably, uh, I'm going to say seven, eight, nine acres of grass in between us. And usually if something gets out, which that's not very often, but if they do, they usually just go over there and graze on that grass while it's dark, dark, dark. And I'm kind of looking out there and I couldn't see anything. So I go to get on the four-wheeler and I start that four-wheeler and I go up to the, the blacktop road is just to the east of our house, not very far. So I get up on that road and I hear something to the south of me and here come these horses clattering down the pavement. And not, not like running off, but I can hear them coming. They're probably trotting, but you get three horses trotting on pavement. And, you know, my heart, I'm just like, oh, crap. And But here they come out of the dark, down through our entryway, you know, and they trot back out on this grass. And I kind of, I'm way out around them. I kind of drive around them and they of course run right back into that pen. Well, 
I get the gate shut. Everything's fine. There's not a scratch on them. Um, very uncharacteristic for that to happen at our place. But you know what? Things like that happen. I mean, it's a uh, good Lord was looking out for us and them. And in this situation, and, you know, everything's fine. Um, great lesson. Yeah, absolutely great lesson. But the, the way this relates to this week's topic is horses. I'm going to talk some about horses vision and why it affects the way they look at things because horses are blessed with some skills in their vision that we don't have. And then, but, but the challenge for us is understanding that horses don't look or see things the same way we do because we have what's called binocular vision, like just like looking through a set of binoculars, which means both eyes work together. Okay, that, that's binocular vision. Um, I think there is an area in front of a horse um, where they do have some binocular vision. It's, it's, it's an area, there's an area about a four foot cone shaped area in front of a horse in the very front of that horse where they, it's a blind spot. And then beyond that, there is a small area where a horse, horse's eyes actually can see a similar area but not, not very much. The majority of a horse's vision is called monocular, which like a horse can see like 350 degrees. So there's like, you know, four or five degrees in the front of the horse where they have a blind spot and four or five degrees in the back of their, of a horse, like right there at their tail head. Then the, the rest of it, the rest of it is monocular vision, which where an animal that has one eye on each side and each eye works independently. So, you know, when you, when you think about that, and especially, and I probably think about it more than most people because I'm riding all these young horses and every one of them reacts to different things differently because, and a lot of that is the way they see it. You know, a horse's, a horse's sight is designed to, number one, spot predators. Number two, look for footing, you know, the, where they place their feet. And the third thing is for food, okay? So it's really interesting to me, and I did a little research on this. You know, a horse is, Horse's vision is, is somewhat like a bifocal, and I wouldn't have understood this very well until I had to start wearing bifocals. So anywhere, anything close to me, I need to look through the bottom of my eye, basically down to that bifocal. So like to read anything far away, I look above the set, like the second, you know, above the bifocal in my glasses. Well, horses... Um, the reason they look through the bottom of their eyes, just like for eating, they're looking for footing and food, right? The top part of their eye spots movements like predators out in the distance. It's just like if you ride up over a hill 
and directly in front of you are two two deer grazing. You know, two white say they're two white-tailed does grazing or bucks, either one. Well, your horse may not have any reaction to that whatsoever until you ride to a point where you actually don't see those deer in your peripheral vision, you know, that you don't see them through your eyes. Well, that's when they enter your horse's field of vision. And then if those deer run off, then your horse spooks and you look and you're like, what the, you know, silly son of a gun, what's the deal? Well, you know, when I started to understand a little bit more and to start thinking more about how a horse sees things in relation to relationship in relation to how I see them. I tell you what, I started to, uh, I started to understand how important establishing that foundation of field timing and balance is to that horse, because those are the signals that we're sending to that horse's body. You know, we're the, those are the signals that are sending that that message to that horse's brain and to help that horse get ready for what we're going to, the next thing we're going to ask it to do. And I think, you know, I think for, for me anyway, for a long time, I underestimated the power of that. With the horse's vision, I've thought for a long time that that horse was operating off feel more than sight. And I haven't talked about it that much, but after doing some more research on it, uh, I feel a lot more confident that I'm on this, the right track with this, is that, you know, I've thought for a long time that the really good horses out there, the really well-trained horses that have lots of repetitions with a, with a good rider slash horseman that has a consistent feel, and it doesn't mean that they all have the same feel, but the feel that they do have is consistent. And so that horse starts to feed off of that feel and, and that timing and their balance and where they're sitting. Um, I've thought for a long time that those good horses would do what they do, um, blind or blindfolded. Um, I've seen calf horses that, and I've rode a couple that were missing an eye, like a left eye, and still worked just like they had a left eye. And those horses, um, I mean, you talk about a huge disadvantage for a horse, you know. So I, th I think we've really underestimated that field timing and balance um, and understanding when horses are resistant, because we went through this, well, there's been several cases this week. Um, the first case is earlier in the week, we've got a really nice dun gelding that's, uh, I believe he's four this year. And like he just was not going to step up on the wash rack for Bridget. And I mean, this, this horse rides pretty good. I mean, he's actually that horse is five this year. But he rides pretty good. He's a nice horse. Going to be a really good horse, I think. And he gets to that wash rack, and and she came to me and said, you're going to have to do some work with Whit on the wash rack. He will not step up there on me, step up on there for me. 
And so I did, I go over there and this horse is stout horse, stout gelding, strong, you know, he sets his feet and lit kind of lifts his head up. And I mean, it ain't like I'm going to pull him up on there, you know? So I had to work him, put his mind to work, get his mind off of what he's wanting to be unsure of and help him to flip that switch. And then he finally stepped up on there. And when he stepped up on there, I rewarded him and released and, you know, and he's, he's still going to be unsure about it, but it'll get better. I mean, you got to build that confidence and that trust, but for some reason, and it's concrete, it's a concrete pad with a hitching rail, you know, for some reason that horse is seeing that differently because, you know, there's things he's really comfortable with water going, you know, going through the pasture, being around cattle, being around the chutes, all of that he's comfortable with. Now, the reason he's comfortable with that is because he's learned to, to trust when he sees those objects or however he's seeing them. Because I'm convinced he's, he doesn't see a lot of things the way we see it. I mean, that's just a fact. So, you know, that's one example. Um, another example, Wade's girlfriend brought a brought a really nice horse out here that she just just purchased really well trained horse um reining horse young horse but you tell this horse had a lot of training really good looking got a great eye um anyway she's she's riding him around while we're roping and she's trying to get him used to a rope and you know there were basically everything she, that horse was seeing might have been, you know, things that he was seeing for the first time, you know, when steers are running out of the chute, when the chutes, you know, our chute is a automatic chute, but it makes noise when them steers are loading. And it's, you know, I would have been really, and like I said, this horse is really well-trained horse, really nice gelding. But you know, there's a few of them things, I mean, that was scaring him to death. And it wasn't that he was being a turd. He was just, his instincts were kicking in and he was, he was scared to death, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and Wade's girlfriend's name's Gentry and Gentry just did a great job. She's just a great hand as far as with animals. She's just got a way about her and she would present something and then reinforce it with some whether she was petting him or letting him, giving him time. She didn't try to force anything on him, you know, and eventually that horse will, the trust that she builds will overcome that fear. But I'm convinced that a lot of that fear is driven by the way their vision is. Because like I said, you know, um, there's a big difference, and look this up, between binocular and monocular, M-O-N-O, -O, monocular vision. So here's something else that you th think about, like a horse has a blind spot, cone-shaped blind spot behind his tail head. So if, say, a dog comes up behind you, and that dog is zigzagging right and left, well, every time that dog comes over into the field of vision on the right side of that horse and goes back to the left side of that horse, 
the left side of that horse recognizes that as a new object, okay, as, as a new animal. Because those eyes work independently, I don't think they make the connection that that's one animal behind there. I mean, to them, each eye is working independently. And so you think about that, and I know, I know myself personally, it's like getting a horse to cross water for the first time, and it, there might be an inch of water. And I mean, it might be an inch of water, six or eight inches wide, or maybe a foot wide or whatever. And, and I mean, they are scared to death. Well, number one, straight in front of them is a blind spot. Okay, there's that small area that's a blind spot, so they can't even see it, but a horse can smell it, and and their sense of smell is something we'll talk about in another episode, but, you know, you put yourself in that position, and where that blind spot is right in front of you, and, and then, you know, how, how do you, the only way that horse you know, builds that confidence is eventually they give into our encouragement and us helping them, you know, trust us enough to take that step. And, you know, when you look at it that way, it, it, it makes you understand why for some horses loading in the trailer is so challenging. Why, why they don't want in there. You know, I worked with, I've been doing quite a few private clinics because of this pandemic. And last week, um, I had a young trainer here and, and when we went through that, her horse, and it's a nice, nice horse, nice mare. She got here, we worked her. And while we were working her, you know, we're talking about field timing and balance. There towards the end, I put up four cones in the arena, but I, they weren't in a square or anything. There were just four cones. And I told her, I said, you know, just let's just work on keeping our hand down, tipping our horse's nose, keeping forward motion. When your turn feels good, like when your horse feels soft in your turn, meaning, meaning that horse isn't pulling on your bridle rein and that horse is flexed in its rib cage, okay, and that horse is collected, once your horse feels that way in the turn, then as a reward, let them out of the return, out of that circle, out of the turn, and go to your next spot and do it again and, and go to the left, go to the right, or you can go to the right several times, back to the left, go to the left several times. Mix it up so that you don't become predictable because horses are anticipators, okay? Anytime you're doing an exercise, if you become too predictable, then that horse starts to anticipate instead of listen. And and you see that with a lot of you see that with a lot of horses that compete at a high level because through repetitions, their riders slash trainers are put in a position time after time after time where they where they do the same thing over and over and over again, whether it's a barrel run or a team rope and run. And, you know, those horses become anticipators. And, but by, by doing an exercise like this with her horse, it was so good because 
It made her stay sat down, made her keep thinking about her hands and her feet. And really what we were doing was creating muscle memory with our rider. So once her muscle memory and her, when you have muscle memory, your timing is so much better because you're not thinking, you're just, you're just doing it. So once her muscle memory got better and she got more confident, more relaxed, boy, that horse just melted. And they went through that exercise for a good bit. I mean, five or 10 minutes. And when she got done, we stopped and I, and I asked her, I said, well, how did that feel? She said, it's never felt like that before. You know, when I've worked her, I've never felt like I was, you know, had that rhythm, you know, that, that feeling of being in tune with your horse and really and truly it didn't have much to do with the horse. It had to do with her getting comfortable, getting more relaxed and her muscle memory and her timing, her feel, her timing and her balance getting better. And, you know, like I was telling her, um, you know, it's funny people come here and for a private clinic and that's usually three or four hours, maybe five. Most of them are half day or less because people commute here and then commute back home. Now there are, I have several coming up where they're one day or two day private clinics, either here or at other facilities. But you know, it's funny after you work that horse, um, work on your horsemanship, your communication after three or four hours, how everything starts to melt together, horse and rider. One thing I think we all have to be aware of and is most of our horses don't get enough riding and which is okay. I mean, life happens to everybody. I get that. I mean, I, I struggle with this myself weekly. You know, I'm looking at a horse that really nice horse, one of my, our personal horses. And I'm like, geez, that horse needs road more. That horse needs to be in better shape. Um, I don't get enough time on that horse. Well, because of that, um, that horse's feel for me isn't going to be as good as the ones that I'm getting to work every day or almost every day. And so we need to understand that with our horses that that feel timing and balance is so important. And there isn't anybody out there really that's strong enough. If a horse wants to run off, that you're going to be able to pull hard enough to make a nice, smooth, soft turn. I mean, you might be able to somewhat redirect their momentum. But if your horse doesn't know what you're asking and that flight instinct kicks in and they, they're confused and scared and um, you, you might somewhat be able to control them, but you're not going to guide them through a nice smooth run. You know, the really good horses out there that have really good riders that, and a really good rider is simply somebody who helps their horse understand that feel and understand that timing and the balance, you know, through repetitions. That's why those fundamental exercises are so important because as you go through each one of those exercises, that's what you're developing. You're developing muscle memory in yourself and you're helping that horse understand your feel 
and, and your feel is everything. It's not about kicking and pulling. Um, don't get me wrong. There's days where I have to kick and pull a little bit. No doubt about it. Um, and that frustrates me. But normally when that happens, I go back and I think, you know, I don't have enough reps with that horse. That horse isn't getting me completely. But here's the other thing. When you take a horse to a trainer or you buy a horse, spend some time understanding the feel that that horse has been trained with or rode with. Because if you don't take some time to understand that and try to replicate that somewhat, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I mean, that's like taking a horse that's been trained with a snaffle bit and, and right off the bat put a long shank spade bit in their mouth. Two totally different feels. So think about that. You know, um, I hope this helps. I appreciate y'all listening. Um, I'm going to be talking some more about this in, in future episodes too, but uh, uh, go check out our new online store that just launched this week. Um, got a lot of exciting thing things happening. And those of you that are fixing to come to our clinics are starting back up next week. So we're looking forward to it. Have a great week of training. God bless. And as always, be your best. Hey, thanks for joining us on today's show. To learn more about the training program that inspired the Be Your Best podcast, head over to philhagenhorsemanship.com and join our online community by following us at philhagenhorsemanship on Facebook or Instagram. This is where we're going to be sharing tons of training tips and information about how you can experience our Training Through Understanding program at one of our upcoming clinics. As you go through the day today, I want to encourage you to figure out one thing you can do to get 1% better, whether that is in your horsemanship journey, your career, or your personal life. Own it and be your best. God bless and have a great day of training.